Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It's already kind of allayed to that a little bit and about when she, she launched in. Um, the new series is going to be looking at the armour of God, but this week we're going to look at the, the start of where it came from in Ephesians. And um, one thing we need to understand, God gave us weapons. You've got to learn how to use them. They can be there and you don't use them. Most soldiers don't go to war without understanding how to train and use the weapons they're going to be involved in. And so it makes no sense that if we don't learn how to use the word of God and particularly prayer because they're the armaments that God gives us. And so today we are going to be looking at this whole point about standing strong in his strength. And this is what Ephesians 6, 10 to 13 says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, his, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. So two things about standing. One, we know there's an evil day coming when Christ is going to come back in the world. The end is going to come and we're going to have that evil day. But also on a present tense, we are facing evil days. And we need to learn how to stand. It's easy to take the opposite and run. Um, to understand Ephesians 6, you need to understand Ephesians, the letter that was put out by Paul to the Ephesus church. And, um, and of course... Very often we take a particular piece of scripture without understanding the context of what was being said. And so I would encourage you to read Ephesians. I read it last night in, in 10, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I read through Ephesians again just to remind myself what he was saying. Here's some things, um, and I don't think I, I put them down for, for uh, Morgan. Um, but the essential points, and this is going through because Paul says... In this piece of scripture, finally. So he's saying, after all these things, we are finally at this point. And this is what he's coming to. And he says, in light of all that God has done for you, Ephesians 1. In light of the glorious standing you have as a child of God. In light of his great plan of the ages that God has made you a part of. In light of the plan for Christian maturity and growth he gives to you. In light of the conduct God calls every believer to live. In light of the filling of the Spirit and our walk in the Spirit. In light of all this, there is a battle to fight in the Christian life. And so we see all these things in light of. You've got to understand Paul is unfolding a letter in Ephesus to say, this is what God has done already for you. This is how he's prepared you. Now he wants you to be involved. And you are a part of this. You know, today, so many people away on, on holiday, and, and bless them, you know, uh, um, you know, one of the things I, I detest is, is um, the kind of holiday vans, the, 
people going away all weekends. Um, it's a challenge to us. But I want people to have rest, and we should have. But when you realise today you're here and you make a difference, this is not pleasant, this is real. Because Paul says you're in a battle. There's a war going on around you. And we need to understand that you are a crucial part of this to make a difference in the world that we live in. You are. And so we can't get away from this. We have to enter into it and realise that we are called to be a part of this. We are given weapons to use and we need to use them. And so Paul's laying this thing out to, to the Ephesus church. Interestingly, Ephesus was a really quite important Roman uh, port where so much trade was going on, so much was happening. And um, it was in the modern day Turkey, but, but Ephesus was really, really important. And the reasons were, of course, it was a main entrance to Asia Minor. It was an incredible opening. All the main roads went out of there, so we had all these things going on. And, um, of course, there were, they say, uh, about 250,000 people living in Ephesus at that time, which is very large for any town. I think it was the third largest in the Roman Empire at the time. So it's a kind of important place Paul has gone to. And... And we have this temple, Artemis, the goddess Artemis, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. So this is an attraction spot. This is drawing people in. This is a place where people are coming to for all sorts of reasons. It's one of the places of knowledge and intellect. It's one of those places of discussion and discourse. It's one of those places people come to to trade and to do all sorts of things. So Ephesus is really quite important. And they had their own theatre, amphitheatre there, that held 25,000 people. These are large things. These are large gatherings to a goddess that they held. And the particular Artemis was a goddess that they owned as in Ephesus. It was their, their goddess. And this is what it says further on when, when Paul's in discourse with them. It says, men of Ephesus... Don't, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? They thought she was the queen of heaven. So Paul's gone into this situation. He's gone into this, this place that, that is pagan into its roots and all the stuff that's going on because the Romans didn't have a monotheistic, monotheistic god. They had polyistic. They believed in everything. They thought to just have one view was stupid. And so in the face of this, Paul goes to Ephesus and he begins to, to lay out and preach the message to the people there. Every week I have this problem getting these pages out. I'll do it in the right hand. It might work better. Cool. Blimey, it's worse than that. that worse than that that um, bread and thing we do, isn't it? Right, I'm almost there now. Sorry, Morgan, we'll keep on. So, because Paul went to this place to preach the gospel, that's why he went, to preach the gospel. You need to understand, before signs and wonders comes the preaching the gospel. It's not the signs and wonders, it's the preaching the gospel Paul went to go there. And so... The resistance was enormous against what he tried to do. 
And so Ephesus became a place where there were probably reported another 50 false gods in Ephesus that were worshipped there. So Paul's not just gone to one, he's gone to a, a whole array. And when you look at Belper and any other place, there's a whole array of false gods that we are facing. And Paul's beginning to address this, and he, and he uses the armour of God, particularly for a reason, because he says you're in a war, you're in a battle. Now, some people don't like this language. They would rather avoid it and think, if I don't do anything, then nothing's going to happen to me. Some people just think in ignorance, if, 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 if we don't acknowledge it, then we're not going to have to deal with the problem. And of course, whether you feel that these are, these are spiritual things that you either have no awareness of or don't want any awareness of and are not going to get involved in, Paul is saying that you cannot avoid this. You might want to, but you cannot avoid this. This is real. And he goes on to say, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. This is spiritual. This is a spiritual battle that goes on all around us, but many of us don't have eyes to see it. And so this battle that's going on, and we wonder why this battle's going on, we wonder why people like they are, because there's another evil power going around trying to lead people away from where they really should be. And so we have this, this, this letter being laid out by Paul in this incredibly demonic dark place, and sometimes we feel that where we are is demonic and dark. Well, Paul's saying, this is exactly where I am. And I chose. God took me there. Do you know, sometimes we're in places and we wonder why. And we ask the question, is it so dark? Why did God bring me here? Well, he brought you there to make a difference. If our neighbourhoods are dark, he brought you there to make a difference. Why? Because he's invested in you, because you're a part of his great plan. This is the letter of Ephesus that lays out. You make a difference. In your workplace, you say they're godless. Yeah, they are godless because they don't know God, but you do. So you bring in this incredible light into a dark situation. You make a difference. And sometimes we turn up and we wonder why people are alien to us because there's a cosmic clash just taking place between darkness and light. They don't see the world the way you see it. And so there's going to be opposition. Now, Paul is finding this opposition straight away when he goes in. And uh, he's, he's aware that this is bigger than what he thinks it is. This is not a ragtag little bunch of people. This is a constructed army of rank and file. It is more than just a, a, a little bit here. This is a concerted effort, effort to change our world. And so Paul is speaking into this and of course, we, we know, and he, he, in John 10.10, 10, we know the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so we read these pieces of scripture often, and we just gloss over them. That is his intention, to kill and destroy everything that's of God. And yet Jesus, on the other hand, says he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. This proposition is put out all the time to people that we come into contact with. This is the things we're talking about. Jesus came into the world to seek and save those that were lost, to destroy the works of the evil one. 
And so we know that we've come with a mandate to go into our world. Now often we think, I'm not a preacher, and so I can't go out and do those things. But you're called to be a witness. You are called to witness the effect that, that God changed your life and changed you completely. And so we're all in this. And we can't worm our way out by saying, oh, I'm not called to do this. Yes, you are. You are called to a particular thing. And that's why growth track's important, because we want you to find out where you fit, how you can operate, how we can serve you, how you can serve God, how we can be part of this, this priesthood of all believers that is going out into our world. And so more and more I catch hold of Paul trying to say, this isn't against flesh and blood. We can often feel it is. We can often feel there's a spiritual thing happening. And this is where we're coming to in Ephesians. He's the father of all lies, the Bible says. And we wonder why we get lied to. He's the father of all lies. He comes with deceptions and doubts and confusion. He wants you to be questioning who God is. He wants you to, to, to think, is this really real? Is this me? Do you mean this about me? And so when he gets this in, he will begin to get hold of your mind, which is where the real battle is going on. He uses intim intimidation and in insinuation. I'm going to get a new tongue in today. He's a bully and a beguiler. He's a false and he's a fraud. Lies only work when you believe them. When you believe them, they've already found their way in and doubt comes and confusion comes as to the truth of what God's saying. And so once you've accepted that you're not loved, then you're rejected. The main thrust of the kingdom of God is that you are loved, you're accepted, you belong, there's no condemnation. And then the minute you start accepting the other version of the lies that come in and the doubts that come in, you don't believe God cares for you because you know how you feel. Feelings are incredibly destructive. They are great servants, but awful masters. We all have feelings because we need them. But if you run on feelings, you're on a roller coaster ride for the rest of your life because we are built on faith. We don't see it, but we're built on faith. And so once we let these lies in, we're in trouble. That's why the word of God is so important to us. To brainwash us? No. To renew our brains, renew them from where they were before you were saved. We were selfish and we, we fought only with our flesh. It was all about us. No matter how good we thought we were, it was all about us. And so that all got changed when Jesus came. He changed everything. He turned it upside down. There's a renewing of the mind, a transformation that's taking place by the word of God. This is truth coming in against lies. This is why we put on the clothing of Christ and we take off all that other stuff that used to be the way we lived. And whether you lived a reasonably good life or you thought you were good without Christ, it doesn't matter. There's nobody good, the Bible says. All filthy rags. And so we need to kind of get this incredible renewing in the mind. And Paul is laying hold of these because he said, you need to get this for the fight. And you can't avoid it. And so when he says, I am the way, he is the way. 
If it's a way, you can't get lost. If it's a truth, you can't get lied to. And if it's a life, you can't die. And so we take hold of these truths and we apply them into our everyday life. Listen, this is not about Sundays. This is about every day of your life walking with Christ. This is about affecting our world that we live in. This is about you going into the world. This is why the equipping of Sundays brings us into a place of actually recognising who God is in our worship, which I thought was fantastic today. I got caught up in it. There's not many of us. I got caught up in this because I worship God. And you can come and think it's a corporate thing. Yes, it is. It's an individual thing. You come with your heart. You come to worship him because he's our king. And that's what we do today. And, you, and, and all of us make those choices. And so when we come into these things, we understand that we've come into a presence because we have given ourselves to worship God. So two things. Two things we're told in this first little bit of scripture. Um, be strong in the Lord and put on the full armour of God so we can stand. The third is not the thing that we're told. It is the, what comes out of the first two. Be strong in the Lord. And then we're going to put on the full armour of God, which allows us to stand. And that's what we're going to be looking at. And so Paul mentions these things because he knows that not only did he find himself under pressure, but we are. We're going to find ourselves in tough situations. And we're going to find difficult situations. And so the only way that we can do and learn is to, is to stand. In the, in the army, one of the worst things to do was when you broke ranks and ran. In one battle, it was said that more people died running away than actually fighting because you're exposed at the back. The Roman soldiers were not built to run. Their armour was to stand together. We need each other. We need to stand together. We can't run away from these things. We need to learn to stand firm together. We were put together for a reason. We hold arms together for a reason. We put our shields together for a reason, to protect each other, to extinguish those darts. But we were built for each other for a reason. You're not here because actually you made a good choice. You're here because God called you here. And for all the other people he's calling in, it's because he's building something, a spiritual house. It is firm. It's on great foundations. But we need each other. You cannot do this on your own and you can't do it without me. We need each other. And so having got all that in place, we begin to understand that the minute we run away, we are more exposed than we ever were. We're so vulnerable. And we leave everybody else vulnerable as well. You matter. You, you're needed. Not just numerically, but we need each other. We need to stand with each other in prayer. We need to stand with each other in the word. We need to encourage each other, build each other up. Prefer one another. We need to keep doing these things because this is how the battle's won. And so when we miss that, we miss why we're really here. And the purpose of meeting together is the encouragement, the edifying, the building of the body so that when we go out, we're still not alone. We're still together. We still think about each We still pray for each other. We still want to do the best for each other. But we're in a world that doesn't know Christ. And so we know we've got to stand firm. 
And so we understand when Paul's starting to talk about these things, he's talking into a situation because he knows some days we feel like all the cards are stacked against us. We know it feels tough. We know we feel alone. And then we remember we're not alone. Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters are standing alongside us. Sometimes when I go and speak to people who are, are not well and sometimes going through tough times, they say that I knew you were praying. And they're not trying to be clever. They knew there was some strength that came outside themselves because other people were standing in the gap for them. They were saying, I was praying. I, 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 you came to mind. I prayed for you because God put you on my mind. Please understand, this is spiritual, it's not physical. This is about standing in the gap for people, even when you're not with them, to take hold of what we were called to do. So this is some of the things that the, um, the Bible says. We stand in grace in Romans 5.2. I'm not going to go into all these. You can please look at them, because they are in context, and if you read them, they make a lot of sin. We stand in the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15.1. We stand in courage and strength in 1 Corinthians 16.13. We stand in faith, 2 Corinthians 1.24. We stand in Christian unity and we stand in the Lord. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. These two words we're going to take quickly to bits and it is going to be quickly now. Strength. The real kind of meaning of, of strength is, is and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry because I've got this on because it's cold, but you can't see my muscle rip. You can't see just what I really, the power that is in here. I know. I know. I know. Probably shouldn't use that analogy because it probably lost it. But that's what it's talking about. It's talking about a, a muscular person that you can see the strength in them. And then it talks about power. Power is, is the releasing of that strength. So the strength is already there. And the power is the releasing of it. And here's what the Bible says. It's not your strength and it's not your power. It's his. You're not fighting on your own. You're fighting in him. And he's won it all. And so when we get to understand, you cannot be passive in this. Well, you can be. You can't, you can't see the might of God if you passively say, God will do it all. Because that is just abdication of responsibility. And neither can you do it all on your own strength. And when you can't do it, say, oh, God will help me because I've done all I can. Now I can't do any more. No, this is his fight. And it's his might and it's his power that's being released. The same power that raised Christ from the dead courses through your body. That might and strength that Paul talks about in Ephesians 1 already is talking about this incredible strength and power that comes from God is available to you. Today, now. It's available to you. But it's his, not yours. And so we, learn, we need to learn when fights come, we need to go to him first to exercise his strength and his power in the situation. You're not fighting this on your own. And we do it so much 
that we fail so often because it's us that do it and not him. And so when we begin to understand that's exactly what's going on. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones put down some things. He said that some Christians waste their strength. They're like leaking buckets and they waste their strength. And he lists down some things and probably I'm going to just go through these very quickly. They commit to too many things. Growth track's about finding where you fit. When I first came into to counselling and, and, and involved in working with, with broken people, I said to one of the guys who, who's become you know, a great friend, I said, do you know, it feels like you're being boxed in to, to just being one thing. And we love to hedge our bets and be everything to everybody. Paul says we should. But actually you've been gifted with some things that God wants you to use. And so it feels like you're being restricted, but the minute you get where God gets, wants you to be, he opens the door to incredible opportunities. But you can't keep hedging your bets and be everything. You've got to start being what God called you to be. Arguments, debates and wranglings. Now I'm the worst at this. I love debating, I love talking. But if you spend your time, keep on talking about pointless things, you are going to waste your time and waste your strength. And of course, laziness. Laziness is, is a, one we all know. We, we just won't do what we should do. Oh, it's cold outside, so I won't go to church. That's just being lazy. We can all do things like that. We can all put off things that we don't want to do. And let's, let's not do that. Too much time spent in the wrong company. Bad, char- co- bad character corrupts. Bad company corrupts good character. I will get a new tongue next time we, we come up. Love of money and career is a massive one. We're in a society that loves to be safe. We like security. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have houses and jobs and all those things, but the Bible talks about people of faith. If you want to be secure all your life, you're not going to move in faith because you always want to be secure first and out of security, you'll say, I'll give to God. When you have enough money, you're going to give to God. No, you won't. You won't step out because we want to be secure. Now, please, please hear me on this. I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of our family, we shouldn't take care of all those things. But great men and women of God stepped out in faith, not knowing. Christian spoke about it. I, th- I think in Luther King he said, you know, when you take the next step when you can't see the staircase. If you want to be safe and see the end product, you're never going to take the first step. And so these things stop us from moving out in the things of God. A desire for respectability and image. How many people want to be the star of the show? How many people want to be there? It's all about me. It will rob you and it will lead you realising just how superficial it is. Unequally yokeling with an unbeliever. Now often, you know, how can light walk with darkness? And we say these things because they are important, because one will influence the other. Always influence the other. And people come up and say, I'm getting married and, and it's all going to be great and I'll change them. Or they'll change you. Now, I'm not saying that when you, you fall in love, you know, lots of people do, and, and they make those decisions, and that's their decision, and we can't do that. We start doing that, we're into witchcraft, and, and we mustn't do that. But on the other hand, we do speak truth about yoking yourself. 
with the right people. Ungodly entertainment. This is a massive one because people say it's only a little bit. You give the devil an inch, he will take a mile. You open up the door, he'll come in. Oh, it's only just a little bit of entertainment. It's not really important. No, the door's, the door's ajar. It's not shut. Oh, it's shut. I pushed it on. No, you didn't shut it. You left it ajar. And because you left it ajar, he comes in. If you keep doing these things, it may seem insignificant, but you open yourself up. If you give way on one thing, you start finding that you open up more and more and it leads you on the wrong path. A wrong attitude towards or doubting the word of God. How massive that is. How many people online now are dissing this, dissing that, saying this is okay, that's not okay. You know, we've got to get into the word of God. Smith Wigglesworth said he only read one book, the Bible. Now, we've got loads of helps, commentaries, and all sorts of things to help us. But we've got to get into the word. We've got to understand. The reason I said read Ephesians, all of Ephesians, because we take things out of context to fit in with what we want them to say. We've got to understand what God is really saying and not what we think we'd like him to say because he's speaking truth and he's challenging the way that we live and how we live with the way that we should live. And so once we understand those things, we begin to stand firm because we understand what God's saying. We understand we're part of this. We understand what he wants from us. We understand what he's given us. Paul is saying all these things in Ephesians. So we need to understand when we start doing things, start reading the previous chapter and the next chapter. Start understanding when God's speaking, put it into context. So, okay. We're going to run just a little bit over. How do we overcome? This is what 2 Corinthians says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. We're in a fight. It's not flesh and blood. And often, sometimes we'd, we'd like to, perhaps flesh and blood, but we're not fighting. We are fighting spirit spiritual battles and so we are fighting them because we are fighting them with the word of God the truth of God we are declaring truth over people's lives we are speaking it and we are praying it and declaring it and confessing it do you know there's so much in in these things and then he goes on James 4 7 submit yourselves then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you and so we love that submit means to give yourself to the authority the authority of God you're under authority the Roman centurion was under authority, but he recognised that the authority came from someone who could give it. And so we're under authority. It's not you. You're submitting to God. Do you get this? That's why we're in his strength and, 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 and his power, because when we, when, we, when we give ourselves to his authority, it's because of him that we can resist, not because of us. And when we resist, it means we have to stand. We've got to resist. It is a word that says you've got to stand and resist it. It's going to come, but you've got to learn to resist it. And then he's going to flee. When he realises that he's no longer going to 
bring his accusations, his insinuations, his doubts and his confusion. When he realises he can't do that, he's got nowhere to go. He has to go. But because we do those things, because we've learned, we've learned to stand strong in the strength of God, we can do these things because we're no longer being conned over by the devil. We understand God's in this. Let's give me a few scriptures then and we'll finish up. For every child of God defeats the evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. Faith. We don't see it, but we know it. It's in God. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Christ made a public spectacle of those triumphing over them by the cross. Friends, it's all done in the cross. It all comes back to the cross. That's where the victory was won. Your victory was won in the cross. Everybody else's victory is won in the cross. Our main armament is through the cross because Christ did it all for us. In a wonderful Psalm 2, verse 5, preceding to that, the Bible says that God scoffs at all the world, what they're doing. Scoffs at them. All what they're trying to do at the moment. And this is what he says. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem on my holy mountain. The cross. I've already done it. The nations can do what they want and think they're winning, but I've already overcome. I've overcome with the, with the cross, the blood of the cross. And so today we overcome because we learn how to stand strong in his strength. Please when you come to your prayer life, it's his strength that you get your power from. And when we pray, we draw to him to give us all those things we need. Paul mentioned standing three times in this bit. Stand strong and having done all you can to stand, then stand firm. Friends, it's not a time to back away. This is a fight. Today, I feel more, more and more determined you know it's easy to kind of lose face and lose favour and lose faith in things and you don't see what you want to see but this is the time when this message needs to be spoke you have become the answer God's looking for you might not think it when you came in you might have all sorts of thoughts but the fact is this is the start of Paul starting to speak to you about this spiritual battle saying this is the fight you're in and this is why you'll win it. And so we need to take these things seriously. In the armour of God, we're going to look at all the different components of the armour uh, to help us understand how we will fight this thing. But this is the beginning, this is the entrance, this is Paul trying to lay out why we do the things we do. Okay?